0: Greetings, and welcome to the RPG Review Board Podcast. You're listening to Episode 8. In this episode, the board administers their righteous judgment upon Monster of the Week, designed by Michael Sands and published in 2015 by Evil Hat Productions. Monster of the Week is a standalone action-horror RPG inspired by episodic television shows, such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, X-Files, and Supernatural. Join us as the board convenes in support of the betterment of tabletop gaming. Come now the Honorable Representatives of the RPG Review Board.
1: Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, all rise. The RPG Review Board is now in session. My name is John Case Tompkins. I am joined by Heidi Faith, Trey Gordon, Adam Lawson, and Nathan Stanley. If the judgment of this court helps you find a new game, Help us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone? Nathan, what's up with you?
2: Oh, you know, things and stuff. I guess. I guess the most recent thing is uh, I was at a good friend's wedding. Um, that was pretty fun. I'm trying out a new look. I got a beard.
1: A good mutual friend. Yeah, good mutual friend. Yeah. We both.
2: We both know her. We worked at, at Barnes and Noble together. So, yeah. I'm yes. pretty happy for. Uh, you.
1: Slinging coffee and books. That's back right. Back in the day,
2: all day, every day.
1: Yes, it, it is. It is interesting that you just went to a wedding because uh, my big news is that I am very recently engaged, Woo-hoo! which is sort of like thank you, thank you, thank you everybody, thank you, yeah! thank you. I have, I have, I have managed to convince a woman that I am not complete garbage. <laughs> Your secret is safe with us, Case. Yeah. It, well, listen, Kim, don't listen to them uh you know, an engagement is sort of like a promissory note on a wedding. So, you know, we're sort of wedding buddies, but like in different temporal, you know, spaces. You owe each
2: other a wedding, but... Um, <laughs> we owe each other a wedding at some point. Yeah. yes. There's a mutual yeah. exchange of IOUs. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll show up. when you show up?
0: It's, it's good to know that in this world, Case does give something a high pass, and that's his fiance. Hey.
1: I, I do. The, the amazing thing is that she gave me anything like a pass at all. But uh, we've already actually talked a little bit about the, um, the wedding reception. And um, one of our, our thoughts is we're, we're both big fans of nachos. And we had like thought that, already, see? Okay. Never, never yeah, heard. we had thought it'd be really cool to do for the wedding reception dinner just get those like things where you do the entire table, you put like tin foil down, you just put a nacho thing on the table, you just cover yes. it with cheese, and yeah,
3: oh man, that's
1: yeah. like
3: a good, like Louisiana like gum, like just like crab boil kind of you know where you just roll it all out on the table and just sit there
1: ah yeah just sounds very I mean, messy We're all and invited,
3: right to the wedding so uh, yeah well i mean you i know.
2: love
1: you guys but i want, I want nachos. <laughs> you want nachos i want, well, nachos. Well, I'll I'll nachos. want me some nachos <laughs> too maybe <a> little more. <laughs> yeah 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 maybe maybe yeah maybe nachos are important in yeah this life. i kind
2: of want the experience of a nacho table yeah that sounds pretty yeah good. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. who this. would not
0: i think you're on to something
2: yeah who among us Who's not lusted for this?
1: But uh, but to, to move on uh, to someone who is already married, uh, Adam, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great. So uh, in my life these days, it is fair time here in the Midwest. So I'm eating a lot of fried dough and turning in 4-H projects. But uh, but on on the nerd yes, yes. <laughs> on the nerd front, uh, I was I've been waiting a couple of months for my uh, invitation to join the invite only social media app clubhouse so clubhouse is an app that's very Ooh. much like uh, most social media apps except for the fact that it adds a voice component so you have chat rooms like your old uh you know party lines but they have topics that you can drop in and out of with ease um they're sort of low barrier to entry just uh, anything from professional to hobby and everything so i've already i've already added myself to all of the nerd rooms on clubhouse
3: should we explain that what party lines are for our listeners who may be too
0: young? See, phones used to have a tail, <laughs> and that tail led into the wall and connected you to other humans. Yeah. Uh,
1: but- no, no, no. I got, I got this. I got this. Everyone just go go and listen um, to The Dunwich Horror, and you'll know right. everything you need All to right. know. Oh, that's right. Um, yes. Uh, and speaking of the confluence of people talking and fans of H.P. Lovecraft. Trey, how you been?
4: <laughs> I'm, I've been well. And, and in fact, you're, you're bringing up Lovecraft as, as apropos because uh, we just got something that we have been kind of looking out for for a long time. A friend of ours gave us a sourdough starter. Yeah. Speaking of
1: that which dead can not eternal lie, yes.
4: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So so we, 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 we made some bread and then we made some more bread and then we seemed to have killed the sourdough starter it, it, it just like, <laughs> like made our second loaf of bread and then the you know like we got the sourdough starter out a, a week or so later and put it on the counter to warm up and it just sat there it like just and didn't do anything it was just kind of kind of thin and pitiful looking It just sort of lay there in the bottom of the jar um so we called our friend tech support for for sourdough starters, and and she, <laughs> she, she <laughs> it was really not all that deep. She got it going again. Sourdough starter is fine. Um, yeah, she she uh she named her sourdough starter Bread Friend, and I started thinking Bread Friend. Well, yeah, Bread Friend. And I was thinking, well, you have to name a sourdough starter, I guess. Oh, there you go. So I named my sourdough starter Sugar Shugoff.
0: What?
4: Because of course you did. <laughs> because yeah, I mean, what else would I would I name it? Um, so yeah, be- because I th- I am that kind of Lovecraft nerd. So and and it is very like a shoggoth, right? Because if you leave, if you feed it too much and you don't take keep it
1: under control, it'll like come get you. Take over, yeah, yeah. No, it'll take over. Yeah, well, so yeah. two thoughts there. One, what if like you, this is the thing about starters? You never know how old they are. So it's like if you mm. killed it is this the first starter ever? And now, you know, and you've wiped off the <laughs> err, you know, sourdough the starter. Er starter. And then, the The platonic
2: yeah. <laughs> ideal of starter. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
1: But then the yeah. other idea is just like, can you imagine, I just want a, like a SNL sketch about sourdough, like helplines, like where you call oh, tech sure. support for <laughs> sourdough, like that would be great. Help, um, help, help!
4: I think Sugar off is dead! <laughs> I can't. Someone it. someone
1: has to have done that, yeah.
3: Somewhere, yeah. right? Especially during pandemic oh, yeah. times when everyone was like, I'm gonna make bread. I'm gonna do this. <laughs>
2: <I> right. <tried. laughs> my thought was that you'd have to bury it with a gravestone that oh said rest in <laughs> yeast. Just stop. Rest in yeast.
4: Oh okay. god. Oh god. Just
2: <laughs> I can't hit you through the screen. It's so yes. annoying. Yes. Who I let me feed him in? off of your disappointment? <laughs> feed me your disappointment. <laughs> I'm gonna feed you to the I sugar shuggle, buddy. The disappointment it brings me such you. joy. <laughs>
1: oh dear God. Summer hijinks, that's what's going on here. Speaking of which, uh Heidi, how are the hijinks at your house? The
3: hijinks are hijinksin'. Um they're going well. Um it's been a good month. Just working and getting through things, been gardening. I had a couple friends come through and visit. Um, I got to see both of my sisters, one in person, one via Zoom because she lives across the country. Over the weekend, uh, nothing too crazy. Watch a little WWE uh, pay per view, money in the bank. <laughs> come on. All come right. on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Love it. Love it. God.
3: Got to see a little Edge versus uh, Roman Reigns in that, in the final fight. I don't know, for my my wrestling friends out there. <laughs> <laughs> they are legion. I feel like you guys are all like, no, right. no, yeah. no. I am gonna circle back really quick, Trey, to the sourdough oh, starter. Yeah. I will tell you, my mom moved across country once, or moved uh, from s- across states, mm-hmm. lines, with a sourdough starter oh. that we named as kids Fred Bread, we thought it was so witty at the time. <laughs> totally not, but that thing lasted decades. Nice, decades. So yeah. All right. All about it. They do. They do need a name. Okay.
4: Sure. Well, long live Sugar Shagoth. <laughs> yes. And Bread Fred. <laughs> Is Bread Fred still with us? <laughs>
3: Um, no, he, he passed at a certain time. He, he passed in, in, as in the years since my mom has passed, we've discussed bringing back, a, my sisters and I have talked about bringing back a, a Fred Bread oh. too, but, uh, we have, we have yet to do it. We should, well, that'd be a you good
4: You know, one. I, if, if you ever need any starter, see, you, you can, you can have son of Sugar Shugath, and you can, and oh, you can name him Fred right. Bread too, if you want.
2: Mm, That sounds like something the uh, pawn of a Cthulian monster would say.
1: Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, Okay, so if we were very clever podcast hosts, this would be the moment where we would smoothly segue into the idea that we have been playing a game about baking, uh, an RPG baking game for the past (laughs) month or so, but we have not. So this is the abrupt lane change uh, of segways that um, pisses off a semi driver behind us
2: yes, and nearly gets us run of off the road. and monsters. <laughs> there yeah. you go. no, there's nothing here. We're not
1: We're it's it's not a Cthulhu game. We're nothing about bread. That's like, it's not Cthulhu Yeah, either. it's it's really horrible. So we're just going to directly switch in.
2: Yeah, who's driving this thing?
1: Who's dri- Yeah, yeah. Who is driving this thing? Well, in point of fact, the person driving this particular ship of uh into the seas of podcast podcastering? i'm not even sure what that is uh podcaster is uh, one other than our own nathan stanley who recently yes. has been sending us through our very newest game which is monster of the week master stanley tell us a little bit about monster of the week
2: well uh monster of the week is a fairly popular role-playing game it's uh based on the apocalypse system it's powered by the apocalypse and uh it entails uh you and your friends forming a group of hunters not unlike uh buffy the vampire slayer the x-files supernatural or any of another dozen monster of the week style tv shows and uh you hunt monsters that pop up in your hometown or perhaps abroad uh, all depending on kind of what sort of team you put together and uh, the idea of the game is exactly that. There really isn't much more to the plot than that, um, except that you are hunting monsters. And uh, it is, in my opinion, great fun.
1: I think that I can speak for all of us when I say that we all had a very, very good time with this game. But I want to hit—I uh, want to hit that sort of monster of the week thing first. That is, I'd like to talk about the uh, about the. Crunch side, the mechanic side, because this is something like what we do with Blades in the Dark. It's a it's a less complicated version of that, and that doesn't surprise anybody who's seen both games because they're both to one extent or another powered by the Apocalypse engine. But this particular game, uh, we I think it's fair to say that we all kind of love the crap out of the sort of setting in our characters um and i just want to let's just start with that uh, i felt like we sort of instantly connected with these characters as we were building them uh and heidi you said something about the way that you felt the character creation system kind of helped it out with that can you can you talk a little bit more there sure
3: yeah um I can say for somebody, again, I'm the less, I'm probably the least experienced player here, and I had never played this game. I have definitely had friends who played it and heard of people playing it, so I knew a little bit about it, but I did not know the actual mechanics. Um, So going into this, I think for me, this is maybe the most fun I have had in the actual character creation process. We spent a night. The five of us just sitting doing that, and I loved it. It was super fun. They make this an incredibly easy process. All the I will can't say enough. This game is just efficient. Over and over, it is efficient as a player. I you know as as a DM or in this game, you're called the keeper. You it's 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 more to it, but as a player, you literally need four pages and two die. That's it. Like you that's it and when you go through the character creation process it's just super fun because it just kind of walks you through it's clearly meant for a new player or an experienced player you could be but it's clearly meant to welcome new players i'd put it that way maybe but it walks you through the process and for me the most fun part was there's a element of it because it, it walks you through pick a name pick a like pick a playbook or a character but then it has you pick a history which to me was the most fun component because the history element was where you had to pick a backstory between yourself and every single other character you're working with here in the game. And it was, I don't know maybe again, it's fun to do it with good a good group of friends, but, I just found it super fun and uh, to be able to sit and kind of work out like what do you think would be a good way for us to know each other and we all kind of played off of each other of like what about this and it was like oh yeah 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 build on that like oh what if we work together okay what if you were a professor and I was a janitor in your lab and that's how we cross paths like it just quickly became like build on that and build on that so to me I found that part easily the most fun I don't know. What did you guys think
4: of that? Oh yeah, it was definitely fun. I, I yeah. enjoyed that too. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the whole character creation process. I, I I would echo everything that you said. It was. Okay. It was. It was fast and easy and actually enjoyable because in character creation, like you were saying, you already have started playing as a group.
3: Yeah, right there. I, it felt like we were already playing, even in the character creation, which was super fun because there was some backstory too for some of us that it was like, not to, you know, give away whatever, but like for some of us, there were some details that was like, ooh, this character, this person's gonna have, we might be a werewolf, uh oh, you know, or this person might have some magic And so already in that, you're kind of discovering what you are and who you are. And and you're right. I think even before you're playing, you're playing. I love
0: that. Yeah, the, uh, the nice part about it is that there are aspects of relationship building that are part of the character creation process. So we were very aware of that going into it. And for those of you considering picking this book up, don't come to the session with your character made because the joy of session one is establishing those relationships, in fact, built into that character creation process is questions to establish those. And there's a lot of fun to be had in just that aspect
1: alone.
3: I didn't have a thing planned and that was that fun and that easy. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think um, Trey mentioned this and I I think there is a kind of improv nature to the character creation process, which really I have not seen in, in any of the games we've played so far. But I also really do like uh, something Heidi said about the the character sheet, and it's very rare that you see character sheets that are actually also guidebooks to making your character. And this one is. It you start reading at the top of your character sheet, and it's like, okay, do this, then do this, then do this, and then you have a character, and that's for the process of of jumping into the game. And for sort of learning your character, a lot of people I know, when they first encounter, you put down a DD character sheet in front of them, and it's like, what, what what is all the what are all these spaces? What are all these numbers? I don't even you know, what's going on? And this sort of introduces you to that to each of the parts of your character just as you go through, because it's like, all right, pick two of the things below. I'm like, oh, these sound interesting. But I was thinking about that Nathan, just in terms of and one of the big challenges for a, a game master, because we're the usually the ones who go out and buy games and, and sort of inflict them on our players. What do you think about this in terms of, like, getting people to the table?
2: Well, as as far as getting people to the table, I think this one's actually... I think this one's pretty easy to get people on board with. That's been my experience with it so far. I mean, just the one-liner, like, do you like Buffy? Do you like Supernatural? this is the game for you. Like that's, you know, that one liner almost always grabs people's attention. Do you want to, do you want to be a a group like the, the Buffy team hunting down vampires and werewolves and ghouls and, and monsters that go bump in the night? If that sounds fun, then uh, let's sit down and play. And then, um, you know, to kind of dovetail that in with, with what we've been saying about the character sheet, even new players sitting that character sheet down in front of them says, The Divine playbook, it says, uh, you have three of the following, pick them. And it's just, you fill in a, you check a box, you fill in a bubble, and you have that ability. And the fact that it just kind of walks you through all of that, guides all the character setup, and gets you talking with the other players about your shared history. I think getting people to play this game is super easy, super simple, and it's, I've never I've never seen it fail to grab people.
1: Well, and actually that's a question I also want to ask to the group because I think that there's a big advantage this game has in a kind of shared, not even a shared story world, but a shared like world of expectations. Like It, it, it delineates to you that it is, a, it is copying the format of the kind of supernatural um, serial television show and i think the great advantage there is that for most of us that is a part of our shared like cultural history like we saw these shows and if you didn't see all of them you saw one of them or or two of them or at least heard about them to me it felt very like we as a group just felt free in this game like we could improvise and we sort of knew what was and, you see what I'm trying to say? It's like the we knew the basic building blocks of the universe. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah. Yeah, and there have been a lot of shows that follow this. kind of, I mean, Scooby-Doo, for crying out loud, you know? Yeah, that's um, true. You know, so many shows, and it's not just, you know, we use Buffy and Supernatural because it's the one that's sort of a touchstone for all of us, but they've been making shows like this, and, you know, The the Night the Night Stalker, you know, Kolchak back in the 70s, you know, people were making these shows. So, yeah. Monster of the week is a great formula.
2: Yeah. And the other thing too, the other thing is that no matter where you are in the world, um, there's folklore to draw from. Oh yeah. Um, Every, every culture on the planet has things that go bump in the night, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how old you are. You, you can put together a story that, that speaks to everybody at the table.
3: Well, and it's like we say, like we, we do reference these kind of supernatural X-Files, Buffy. But I mean, you could look at stuff Star Trek, for God's sake. I mean, oh, that's, yeah, sure. Right, you know, it's that is truly a monster of the week kind of scenario, right? Like there might be some overarching themes, but really it is, you know, monster of the week. We're going, oh, this week we're on this planet and fighting this guy, you know. So, yeah. If you know adventure shows, here you go.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I think is the thing. is like, oh, this is an adventure show, and this is what it's doing. It's I might take issue with some of that as a concept, just on a high level, but I can talk about that a little bit later. I'm not panning this game. Nobody stop looking at me like that.
3: <laughs> don't you dare talk about my game like that!
1: I know that's what I get from you guys. I'm not panning this game.
2: For the listener, I've been glaring at Case. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and some of those, some of those gestures—I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I think he was choking. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. So let's. So we. I think we can agree this is fun. It is easy to get into, and it is something that you can sit down with pretty much anybody and be like, "Hey, want to do that supernatural thing? Here you go. Now you can play a sexy angel." But
3: just what you've always
1: wanted to do. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, to each their own. So, but but let's let's talk a little bit about the mechanics and so i want to talk about the mechanics on the player side but i also want to hit the dm side because nathan you've run this several times adam i think you've run this before so i want to talk about it on that side but but first let's just talk about again we have uh, much as you do with blades in the dark you've got a character sheet that shows you your progression or your possible progression right on the sheet there's no like looking it up in book and discovering oh I hit fifth level I get a second attack now, it's just you get some XP and you when you get enough XP you get to go shopping. Do you guys like that? What do you think, Trey? You've been you've been playing with a lot of different character advancement systems. I right know.
4: Well, yeah, I no I I loved this character advancement so much. It's uh, fast, easy, self-directed. So you you get experience when you fail to do something and you get experience in other situations that are more, more or less specific to your character class, character type. I don't know what term they use in this game, but you know, once, once you filled in five experience blocks, then you get to advance and the advancement is so fast and easy. You just, you can do it as you're playing. You know, you fail that one roll. You got, oh, that, that gives me five experience. You can just go in, pick another improvement. Bam, you're done. And you just keep playing. It, it happens on the fly. And, uh, f- you know, like I said, fast and easy. And the stuff that you get, you know, obviously, you probably want to let the keeper know if you, <laughs> if you get another adv- ability in the middle of the adventure. But the stuff that you get when you advance isn't like game changing. But it's, it's significant enough to be satisfying. And it just gives you this kind of little bump. And you're like, yeah, look at that. Hey, I did the thing. And now I can, you know, I have this extra, you know, I've, I've improved one of my stats or I got another move that I can do or something. Anyway.
0: Yeah. I uh, just to contribute for the advancement piece. One of the things I really liked about it was that they best reflect like your player's actual experience. You're spending Mm. experience point to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like uh, in traditional fantasy role-playing games, I got faster or stronger or whatever that you have to kind of um, find a squirrely way to implement that. Um, But in this case, it sort of is very, the, the options you have to choose from really do represent, like i have fought this evil you know character this evil creature and this is how i improved and it makes sense mm-hmm. narrative narratively and for your character and so you often yeah. don't have to think like oh do i have this feat or do i have this way? it's like yes my character learned how to how to do that and it's intuitive to remember what you picked if you forget your character sheet
4: oh yeah 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 everything about this game uh builds narrative
1: Actually, I I want to talk about that a little bit, not just in the sense of, like, building your character and your character's narrative, but also, like, building the narrative in the game itself, because your stats, which are kind of standard, you've got, I don't know, five or six of them, but each stat is labeled with the thing that you use the stat for. Um, So it'll be like, hey, you have, I think it was like, Smarts or something, which is it like the IQ equivalent, and that Sharp. allows you to investigate things. And so you go to the investigate role, and that, that tells you you know what's capable, what happens when you make that role. And I don't know. I, I wanted to see people's reaction to that because on the one hand, again, it's very clear. It's like oh, this is what I use this for. Very helpful character sheet. But also, it can. What did you think of the way it stretched? Because some things, it felt like we were trying to shoehorn a thing that we wanted to do into one of these things. And other things, like for instance, Heidi, your character could do magic. And it felt like sometimes it was just almost a paralyzing amount of options. You're like, well, what what can I do here? What, do you, what So what do you guys think about that just in terms of reading and interpreting those those roles, those abilities. Uh, yeah, Heidi, because you were the magic person, what'd you think?
3: Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, so, okay, I would say this over and over. I loved this game and we had fun playing this game and due to some various outside scheduling conflicts we ended up playing this game far longer than we had originally intended <laughs> because we also did enjoy it we kept saying hey let's finish this part so I used the playbook of the spooky so you have different playbooks which is different character backgrounds in these and and the spookies it's just it can be a character and that just has a, a, a use of magic and they're not sure why and there's possibly you know a dark component to it and they're they're not sure why though necessarily and using the magic it was super fun at first you know like what was fun period right but after I could see if you went on and on with this where it might become kind of old a little bit like if you're not sure what to do with it other than oh I'm just gonna cast this inky goo out of my hands toward this person and blast them with it and hope it does damage. That I can see where it could get a little boring. For something I did enjoy is that you could use magic but you also had an option to use what was called big magic, which that required a little more effort. You had to take some time. It required like, oh, you couldn't just say, oh, I wanna do this major thing and do it on the spot. It required time. You had to spend a few days developing the spell, working on it. For example, one of the things my character did was she wanted to talk to the dead, and you guys made her practice for a while and she practiced on various random animals in her yard. Me, that had
1: me I, made, away. I made her practice for a while.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: That's, that's my fault. Yeah. I'm still chasing that stupid gopher. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we, had, we had a dead gopher in the yard that she had to practice raising from the dead and speaking to. And, and then she practiced on various household pets that had been buried in the backyard. You know, so that...
1: It was a traumatic experience.
3: It was. It was. I'm sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I, I, I can see it forces you to be creative. It forces you to dig for the deeper stories. How long could you carry it on? I don't know. But that's also keeping in step with what's a monster of the week about necessarily it's not the deepest right you know you're it's not you know you're supernatural you're whatever it's like there may be some overarching lore that goes through the show i mean i was a huge supernatural fan there's i mean i watched all seasons and loved it and there was lore that went forever but you know the the week-to-week stuff can be silly you know, it, it, so it's not necessarily meant to be the deepest, you know, so yeah. I
4: think, I, th- I have a feeling that with time, if, if we had continued to play this for months, you had this whole fae background thing that we were just sort of discovering, right? And so I think that as things went on, you would have discovered more that would have kept it from getting mm-hmm. monotonous. Okay.
3: Good
4: point. And one of the things about this game that I love so much, I talked about how everything builds narrative, because the rules are so succinct, you know, you can, as a player, not, not not as a keeper necessarily, but as a player, you've got two pages that you can sit in front of you, and that's got just about everything you need to know how to play this game. And so the stuff that you're doing, you know, they're, you know, like Heidi was saying, there's... There's used magic. There's, you know, these things you can do, like investigate a mystery, things like that. And they're general enough that when you make a role and you come up with a with a result, you have to fill it in with narrative, right? If you're going to use magic, then you have to kind of decide what that looks like and how it acts because there aren't like a list of spells like there are in the D&D yeah. player's yeah. handbook, okay. right? They can take any form that you want you know and the keeper can make them into whatever seems to fit right and everything's very collaborative
3: yeah. all right try, try change my mind i could play this
1: game forever. <laughs> well i i so... do think i do think that there's quite a bit in this game because i i usually fault games like this for kind of like like what's your long-term plan like i don't see i don't see anything in here that would let you be still playing in a year and a half and i feel like this thing has got it because uh, for a number of reasons. One, it's got the kind of like, hey, um, here's here's this advancement that you're going to get at first, and then once you've gotten a, a couple of these regular advances, you move up to like major advances. And those, ca- those can really change the character, but they can also change the storyline. So, for instance, my character, who was a kind of a government agent, um, one of his extra advance, like his super advances, like whatever it is, the high-level ones, was like I get a whole separate team that works for me. And that is the sort of thing, like if we're talking about long-running TV shows, this happens all the time. Like once you hit season five or six, you start introducing these other characters who have their own plot lines. And I don't know, I just felt like, felt like there could be a lot of narrative longevity in this game. But I feel, <laughs> I don't, this is funny, usually it's the it's the DMs that are uh, that are hogging the spotlight, but I feel like we players are just stomping all over this. So Nathan, you've been running this game for a while, this is not the first game you've run of Monster of the Week for anybody, it was the first one for us, but you had, as, as we were preparing this, you kind of had a like... <laughs> like a 20 question sort of list. So like, hey, I got all these questions for you guys. So I'm going to let you take over for a little bit and, and ask us some questions because you've been thinking about this game for a bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do have some questions for my players. I have some just kind of thoughts from behind the GM screen, so to speak, as well. Um, So I guess I'll just kind of start off at the top here and I'll just kind of work my way down. Um, So uh, one of the things that I find interesting about this game that is not necessarily true of other games is that it very specifically in the rulebook says that only one of a type of playbook is allowed to be played. For example, if someone plays the professional, like Case did in our game, uh, no one else can play a professional. At, rules is written anyway. They're not allowed to play a professional. The idea being that in this, uh, in this kind of Hollywood version of a world, because we're kind of playing in a TV show, uh, is kind of how I describe it. There's one named main character that is a professional from that agency and he is that guy. There wouldn't be another guy. There might be NPCs that are also in that agency, but there's only one like named character. Anyway, I just kind of wanted to know what you guys thought of with kind of the the uh, limited number of, of playbooks in the base game. What you guys thought of the idea that you might be squeezed out of a particular playbook because somebody else wants to play it?
4: I I think that could suck, but I also think that you could house rules it away. And I, I see what they're going for. But when I think of like Buffy, I think of like Giles and what's his name? The other guy um, who came in like halfway through, who was also a watcher. Help me.
1: Oh, I know who you're talking about. And I, but I can't remember his name.
2: Oh, yeah, no. I, I, we're, we're really bad at this guys. <laughs>
1: We're we're dropping a nerd
4: ball here.
0: We dropped the nerd ball. Well, at least we'll get some comments on this episode.
4: There you go. I was going to (laughs) say, if you you know who I'm trying to talk about, berate me in the comments and then I'll find out. Yeah, but they're both basically the expert playbook, right? So, and that worked fine, at least for a while. You know, the two characters were differentiated enough. Yeah, I, I see why they would do it and it makes sense. But I think if it doesn't work for your table, house rules it out. Who cares?
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, perhaps because, you know, as we all sort of Saying we get what they're going for, and that's giving each character their moment to sort of shine in a specific way. And if you have multiples, that's it's probably okay, right? The game's going to still continue to run, and if you're all in agreement, go for it. There are there are limited options during character creation, and we were just lauding that. We really really liked it. We really encouraged that, and uh, it does then therefore create very samey characters in in that way because you can't differentiate them other than in role play. But on paper, they might end up look pretty similar. But no reason why you couldn't share if you wanted to.
1: I wonder if you might have some, as as a, now I have not run this game, but just as a a DM in general, like, I sometimes worry about like, okay, if I have two of these characters, will they have some power that together that, um, you know, if you've got one, it's great. If you've got two, it's broken. That would be the only thing. And only the experience of play would tell you that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can think quite, very quickly about the things like uh, I have the item that I need, and if that Wesley Wyndham Price. Oh, he got there. He got there. Oh, well done. <laughs> yes, nice. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go it. on, Adam. No, you're fine. So yeah, that that's that's what I was uh, I, I was mentioning. Like, I think it was Trey's character that has the ability that I have the thing. And that creates dramatic Mm -hmm. tension, and when you have it, that's awesome. And then you get another go at it. You're basically always going to have everything you need all the time. That's one example of something that may be a little overpowered if you have multiple people with the same uh, playbook. But, But yeah, so there's little things like that.
2: Yeah, the divine has an ability to cast out evil, to basically just banish evil from his presence. The keeper gets to decide how far away casting it out is, but you could see how maybe having multiple divines just constantly rolling that to just like... Nope. Nope. It's Mm.
1: gone.
0: We used the term limited number of playbooks earlier, but there are 12 in the core book and there's more in the expansion books. And so many of them are are crafted in such a way where if you want to, if your fundamental like choice of, you know, I want to be the person who uses magic, there's options that are thematically similar without being the same playbook. And uh, so there are options to get to where you want to be of the 12 that are in this core book that we're reviewing today. Yeah. That's true. true.
2: Heidi Heidi was the magic user without being a spell slinger.
4: Right. Sure. Yeah, and I mean,
3: like even like I said, my character for the playbook I chose it was the spooky, which is your your basically your magic person, right? But they give you these options. Do you want to be a kid? Do you want to be a teen? Do you want to be an adult? You kind of have to pick and choose. So I could see I chose particularly a, a teenage goth girl was very angsty and very kind of jaded and angry, but you could just as easily go with a pleasant little old lady who you know, just is like, oh I just use my spells to, you know whatever, I don't know, cast magic around the neighborhood.
4: Keep the moles like, out of my keep garden. Keep plants
1: alive. Right, exactly. <laughs> make delightful cookies.
3: <laughs> to make delightful cookies and, and and zap that neighbor boy when he walks through my flower garden. Yeah,
2: I use it right? to keep
0: my yeast starter
2: alive. <laughs>
4: That's right. What could go oh, wrong geez. using magic on on a on sourdough starter? Speaking of sugar, yes. Five
2: points for the call back to an intro. Nice yeah. try. <laughs> Now we um, have to keep that. So- <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know another thing that i kind of worried about you know while i was while i was running this game as well is it's kind of a, a hallmark of these powered by the apocalypse games that a lot of the narrative is taken out of the gm in this case the keeper's hands and kind of delivered into the player's hands and there are definitely like you know benefits and drawbacks to that i really personally enjoy it because it means it's kind of less planning for me like the more planning i do the more stuff i'm just gonna throw away because you guys did something different right so I do I do kind of a skeleton bit of planning Um, actually the the book the rule book has a really nice guideline for keepers on putting together a mystery and figuring out how that's all going to play out Um, so if you're going to uh, run the game the the book really is a great resource for you but my question for you guys is when uh, when I have you know I say oh somebody was brutally attacked at such and such a place or whatever. And then I just kind of like, here you go. I just hand over this kind of like mound of clay to you guys for you, for you to sculpt. Do you feel that the game kind of uh, flowed naturally or or were there were there situations where you just kind of went, I don't know what to do now?
4: There were moments like that, but I think that's inevitable and we got through them. I mean, that's that, that's part of the process, I think.
1: Yeah, I also think this, this game, um, well, again, this is one of these games that, worked wonderfully for us because every single one of us has wacky ideas all the time. we are be like, hey, what about this? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, and then we just go with it. So uh, that's our experience at our table. And I, I can guarantee you that there are tables who would want more direction and want more concrete, like this is what we're doing and this is how it works. So... Uh, this is a narrative focused game and if you are down with narrative you're going to have a great time with this game but if you if you are not if you, and, and this is again there's that thing there's that shared language of the adventure show right and if you have watched enough of these and have a basic idea of how the plot is supposed to go you actually you, you barely need a dm right you can just be like well Probably the next thing that will happen is someone else will get murdered. You know, you all look at the DM. Is that cool? All right, good. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: yeah, interestingly, someone did get murdered. <laughs> <Huh>. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Whoops. Oh, I would say this, I kind of following up on that. As much as I thought this was an easy game, that I think any beginning player can get into this, I am glad that us as a crew, this was not our first game we did together. I think this easily could have been an inter- a great introductory game for me specifically, right? But I'm glad because we had played several games together at this point and I felt comfortable enough at this point to take this and, and, and lean into that narrative, right? Like that that at this point was something for me... You could have given me this when we first started, and I might have found the rules easy, but I may not have been as comfortable with the narrative kind of component of it yet. Taking that on myself, so I would definitely back up. It's it's easy, but you do have to be willing to, you know, put yourself out there a little bit and just get a little little goofy with the uh, narration part.
1: That's true. Yeah. All right, Nathan, can you give us? We're, we're... We are rapidly approaching an hour here, and that's yeah. mostly due to the, all of the summer hijinks that have been going on. But one of the things that you asked, and I think we should talk about it, is just this element of danger. You said, Do I think you said something like, do people feel like this is a, their characters were in danger? Am I getting that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wanted to know, did you feel genuine danger for your character? Like, oh no, this might be my last session as this character. I I was a fighty
0: character, and I took some things that made me better prepared to take on combat where I'm taking damage. And I can even say for myself that you you really don't have a lot of hit points. <laughs> so you know things doing two or three hit points, like some of the other games with the smaller scale numbers, you are you are like hurt in a big way at about four, I think it is, right? And uh, you really that becomes part of the narrative. It impacts your gameplay at that point. And four you know four hits can come from, you know, can come from two or three or four points of damage can come from two or three hits there. And that really does sort of make you be creative in your combat approach.
4: Yeah, you've got what? You
2: have seven hit points.
4: Yeah, you got seven hit points, but after you've taken your third hit point, you start to like lose them automatically, you know, over time. Yeah, you become Yeah, you start to die. Um. So... Uh, you, you've, you've got seven, but really only three of them are solid. And after that, you start to get really shaky, uh, what they call unstable in the game. Once you hit unstable, then things start to get really touch and go for you. So if you had the type of table where, you know, things get dangerous and they get dangerous fast, then yeah, this could be a really scary game. You know, it, it could get to the point where it was almost Call of Cthulhu level, you know, deadly. Just depending on how your your keeper runs it,
0: yeah, and I think I think that's important because the the hit points being low is is sort of the reason. But your early part of the game is figuring out how to beat this big monster of the week in a way that doesn't kill you. So so you need to be at least a little squishy to sort of uh, drive the investigation portion that leads up to the to the big boss battle, and
1: finding out how to do it without without dying. So I can see that element of danger, but this is actually my biggest like complaint uh, about this game and it's not I, I don't know that it's even about this game. maybe it's about this type of game or this approach. but I never felt like it was in danger because of course, I'm in a show. I have a contract. Like, yeah. you know, it's like I'm a main character. No one's going to hurt me. Like, and if, if I do die, it'll be in a really awesome, dramatic fashion. So who cares? And I think it's... So the greatest movie musical of all time is um, Singing in the Rain, clearly. And <laughs> it is a show about putting on a show, right? So, and there there are numerous of this type of program out there. It is a you know, a show about putting something something on whether it's I don't know, WKRP in Cincinnati or news radio or there's a bunch of these sorts of things. And that's what this game sort of feels like to me. It's like we're not in this world, we are playing characters in this world and we know that this isn't a real world. This is a world that is bound by the conventions of this genre of television and again I say this as having someone who had an absolute blast it doesn't feel real and now that's you know something weird to say about a, a you know a type of entertainment that began with exploring dungeons you know with swords and and magic spells but it's sort of i I tend to think of rpgs as being world creative and this is not world creative but narrative creative so you're not making a world you're making a version of the world that fits on a television screen and i don't know i don't know what to deal with that i'm just i'm sort of putting it out here but do you, do you see what i'm saying does that make any sense at all yeah i
0: suppose you could make it as gritty as you wanted right but yeah, the game does tend to lead towards good your characters being the heroic ones that you're right at once removed from the game session their their name appears in the credits they're they're probably going to stick around for season two right um but yeah it is it is true that you have limited hit points and if combat gets rough you could die but it's definitely up to your playstyle of the group for sure yeah I- yeah yeah i
3: would agree i would agree with with that i think with Kate, like and perhaps i was a bit naive but i would definitely say in, in true sitcom style it i never felt like this i've played dnd where i thought i'm gonna die like pretty quickly i need someone to heal help me heal me something now like i'm gone um and this i never really. I felt scared. It really did feel like, hey man, my yeah. contract is for the next five years. Yeah. I'm good. Like, we're, we're good. I've, with the exception of, uh, you know, some creative differences yeah. with the director, yeah. I felt
1: safe. Well, played you by know, Nathan.
3: Like,
4: <laughs> I'd like to come in on the other side of that and, and say, yeah, it didn't feel real. Sure. I agree, but it's not supposed to, right? The the yeah. whole point is that you're supposed to yeah, feel it like. It was all fun. It was super but, fun the f- yeah. the fact that yeah. we f- that that it didn't feel more dangerous to us i think was really more of a style thing than it was you know a, a table of people who played differently i think like like adam was saying could make it much grittier if they wanted just by virtue of the fact uh, you know of, of the way they played the game it could be a lot more deadly than we played it as we were as a group fairly cautious um nathan was very narrative driven And uh, but, you know, if he had been, you know, less so or if we had been a lot more, a lot less risk averse, this could have been a lot darker game if we'd wanted it
2: to be sure yeah one of the one of the things i noted down here before we before we got going was i didn't make very good use of the keeper moves you guys have moves that you could do like use magic and use big magic and investigate a mystery the keeper also has moves that are related to telling the story and he also has moves related to various threats be they monster location etc and i didn't necessarily push those very hard right um there are there they delineate between soft moves and hard moves Soft moves or moves that I can take that you guys can mitigate in some way I'm also allowed at times to just use a hard move like yeah the werewolf surprises you and rakes his claws across your belly take three harm so there are things like that that if if as a keeper you wanted to turn up the volume a little bit that you could really utilize some of that stuff and turn it from the quaint uh, episode of Buffy and put it on HBO instead.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. I I think that that's... Yeah, you could do Carnival with us just as easily as you could do Buffy or Supernatural.
4: Well, there's another mechanic that I think speaks to this, and that's the luck mechanic in this game, where, you know, you've got seven luck points that you can spend, and you've got those seven luck points for the life of your character. They don't come back. But you can spend a luck point to, like mitigate damage or decide well if you can spend a luck point to just go you know i hit and i hit solidly you know i don't even have to roll Like, can but every luck point you spend is gone forever and once your luck point gets down you know there's a scale of zero to seven luck points spent and they go from okay to doomed <laughs> and once you, yeah. luck, yeah. once you spend your luck once you spend your luck bad stuff starts happening to you right nathan I'm, to
2: quote the rule book, when you run out of luck, when you have marked off all your luck, the Keeper is allowed to hit you with more bad stuff. Fate will be looking for some payback.
1: Yeah, that's pretty
4: awesome, actually. And you've got nothing to mitigate it because you've got no luck to spend.
1: <laughs> right. And I think, okay, so if it's not obvious to the people listening, we could clearly talk about this game. For hours, because we really did have a good time. So I want to go ahead and, and start wrapping up. Let's start with who this game is for. Adam, who is this game for?
0: Uh, I would say that this this game is for a group of players who have who have a player base that are prepared to pull the narrative along. If you want your DM to give you your signposts, this, this isn't necessarily the game for you. Um, but yeah, if you have a player base where the have players who will use their characters to pull that narrative along, I would say the other maybe group that this game is for is, is if you're flipping through a monster manual and you see a piece of art or an action that something can take, and you're like, I could build a story around this. It, or if you have a piece of compelling folklore bouncing around in your head and you're like, I could build a story around this, this is the game for you.
1: Yeah, nice. I. I can see that. Uh, Trey, who do you think? I,
4: I, I would echo what Adam said, but also uh, it, it shares a quality with these other Powered by the Apocalypse games that I've seen. We talked earlier about how the the keeper's job is made easier by the rules because the players take care of a lot of the narrative for you. And in that sense, I think this game is, for for want of a better word, it's for grownups, right? It's for people who, you know, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since 1979. You know, and I'm an older guy, you know, I've got a lot to do, and if I were to run a game, I wouldn't have a lot of time to prepare. You know, I would have my evening to play and maybe a little bit more to think about it, and that's about it. So, if you're a person whose lifestyle doesn't doesn't enable you to sit down with graph paper and a ream of notebook paper and create a dungeon from scratch this is the game for you you know you can prepare for it pretty quickly the game pretty much prepares itself you need this like adam was saying you need this idea this bit of folklore that you think you can make a story out of go you know and i didn't have to run it so adam and nathan can maybe chime in with a little more detail here but that's the way it struck me
1: yeah well speaking of nathan who do you think this is for
2: well as a player, I think this is the game for people if if you enjoy Beowulf, if you enjoy the story of St. George and the Dragon, if you enjoy stories of Navajo skinwalkers, anything that goes bump in the night, or any sort of monster that terrorizes, terrorizes villages and towns and things like that, uh, this is absolutely game for you if you just like the monster hunting genre in general. Broadening that even if you just like action shows, because I don't tend to like monster of the week style shows but i do like action shows and uh this game fits into that quite well also um from the gm side of things from the keeper side of things um this is a game for you if you want a game where it's going to take you 20 minutes to plan two or three sessions worth of material because that's about how long it takes this is the game for you if if you have a group of friends where you sit down and watch a movie, or maybe you talk about, or you sit down and watch a TV show, and maybe you talk about the TV show after you afterwards, and you say, "Did you see this week's episode?" and you all collectively agree, we could have written a better <laughs> ending to that. Yes. If you go, you know what? I should write TV. This is the game for you.
1: Yeah, I I, I concur there. Uh, Heidi, what do you think?
3: I think. Uh, if you are a beginning player, you could easily get into this. Like I said, it's efficient. It requires, as a player, all of four pages and two die to play it. So yes, you could easily do it and enjoy it. I think you would benefit more, as I said, as somebody who already has a passion for either Monster of the Week shows or, like, uh, you know, adventure shows or even a step old Universal movie like Monster. You know, movies, uh, you know, Swamp Thing, um, Dracula, those kind of things. If you just kind of are into that kind of fun narrative, my God, you could even like old R.L. Stein books if you were a kid in the <laughs> 80s, grew up reading, Absolutely. You know, the kind of silly, like scary, right? Like that kind of narrative. It's just kind of, it's fun. So I think it's for anybody who you, anybody who could play this beginner. I think you will benefit if you've already got a little experience for sure. You know, you think about someone like, Picasso, right? He spent years training and he was a, an incredibly talented artist. And then later on, he moved to very quote unquote simple styled art that people would be like a five year old could paint that. Yeah, but this man also spent years studying and could also paint the most amazing portraits that you would know. It they, they took him kind of learning how to do that first to go back and be able to do these kind of more quote-unquote simple, if you will, paintings. So I think you benefit if you have the experience, but I think you could be a beginner, you could be a a completely um, seasoned player, but I think you've got to just have a love in your heart for that kind of adventure story. That's it. That's a
1: long explanation for that, sorry. <laughs> no, no. But see, that's actually... Oh, that, that leads off directly because because I think who this is for... Like, I'm going to now say the quiet part out loud about this podcast. This podcast is about telling you not to play D&D if that's not what you're interested in playing. Because there are so many people I see who are playing D&D now and they're trying to rest a rule system... That does not do what they want it to do into this kind of story and this type of game. Oh, I want my character to have a an arc, and I want them to, you know, I'm I'm basing them off something that I saw on television when I was younger, or I had this sort of an idea, and it's all very cinematic. It's very it's very monster of the week. Stop playing D and D, folks. (laughs) If that's the type of game you want to play, play games like this they will give you rules to back up the thing you want to do anyway. So I think this is for the sort of people who grew up with this stuff, and that's what they think of when they think of fantasy and world building and and, and narrative. Play this game. And so when it comes to ratings, I give this a pass because I think this does what it sets out to do Pretty much perfectly. I don't give a high pass for the reasons I stated earlier. That it feels like I would play this as if I was always feeling like I was a step removed from the game. Because of this weird sort of double narrative that's going on. So there we go. It's a pass. Everyone calm down. <laughs> it's not a dun, fail. Dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi, what about you?
3: I'm giving it a high pass. I really Ooh. am. A- and... I am, I am, because again, I think you really, as I said, I think you benefit if you have some experience and if you are working with people who you have some familiarity with, you know, that you are kind of all on the same page and you can read off of each other well, that certainly helps. But I also think, again, you could step into this game and play it at any time, anywhere. Like I said, just the character creation element alone in the beginning, That was fun. That was a great kickoff to this campaign for me. So, high pass.
2: Nathan? Um, No surprise here for me. It's absolutely a high pass. My evidence for that is my recording says we've been talking for one hour and 11 minutes. And... (laughs) I don't think we've even scratched the surface of the things that I enjoy about this game. Like, I just want to keep talking about it for, like, another hour. And I enjoy pretty much every part of it. I've played this game as well, and the idea that I could make uh, a cowboy that uses ancient cowboy magic to to fight monsters, and it still fits in the game and is a fun character to play. Yeah, I mean, this is is absolutely the game for me.
4: Trey? Yeah, high pass from me too. Uh, I can't think of a single reason not to play this game. You know, uh, I, I, I just can't, it, it's just a good game. It's, I would happily just play this one and, uh, and just, just keep going. It's, it's the favorite game that I've played so far.
1: Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Adam.
0: So I love the weight of this game. I love the feel of this game. It's, it's really perfect for the the types of games that I enjoy playing and running. I'm, recording this at my desk with a built-in bookshelf upon which are no fewer than 30 hardcover Pathfinder books, which <laughs> first edition <laughs> almost prides itself on its complexity. So I'm, I'm no stranger to Crunchy Systems, but this game is definitely in my wheelhouse. And, uh, you know, the warts I see in the system, and there are a few, uh, I, I find some of them sort of endearing and sort of explained away by the, sort of the collaborative nature that the game facilitates. You, you can't have an adversarial relationship with your GM because of all the all the collaboration that's that's required. But this game is is great for me. I don't know how I would play it long-term, but uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that. I'd love to explore that. Um, so for me, it gets a pass, a solid pass, flirting with a high pass
1: for me. Thank God the love train <laughs> stopped. Lord <laughs> Almighty. Um, uh, it's, not, it's not the second freaking coming, people.
2: For the listener, Case's eyes have just been rolling <laughs> oh, yeah, for yeah. the past <laughs> yeah, seven yeah. months. You feel his discomfort. It was fidgeting. Yeah, it was like a pair of googly eyes stuck in a drying <laughs> machine. Am,
1: I am uncomfortable with the amount of positive emotion that is coming out of this podcast.
0: Yeah, my 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 rationale is 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 you know your rating is your personal rating, and I know you know as a mag oh, yeah. as a magpie as a magpie gamer, you know how would I play this long term? I really don't know, so I'd have to. It, it could be a high pass if I ever explore that, but come back later tune in next year for our
1: (laughs) re-review tune in next year I really do think it could indeed support long term play not for the complexity of the mechanics but for the complexity of the narrative and I I do really think that's possible also I gotta say you know for elegance the rules for grappling are pretty impressive
0: (laughs) very well done (laughs) he got there folks Um, I'm going to count down from five, and then we'll clap on the zero. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> that was pretty awful. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Do we want to try again? Is that going to work, out, or do we do it, need to do it again? I'm going to
0: try it one more time. All right, everyone, do I have your full and undivided attention? All right. Five, four, four, three, two, one. I knocked
4: my little thing down. We're supposed to count we're clapping on the word zero, right?
2: That's how countdowns work. They're not like they're not like five, four, three, ignition. We
3: are not mathematicians.
2: We're
3: bad at clapping.
2: Okay, so
1: that 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 did indeed work. Well who knows? Yeah, this is man, this is riveting podcast content right here. This is freaking gold.
2: This is all
0: grist
1: for the mill, man. Thanks
0: to all of our Kickstarter premium backers.
1: Yeah, slurp that entire mountain dew and then you will just slide off.